Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of The New Standard. And always joining me, I have my partner in crime to my left, Neil Kulong. What's happening, Neil? You know, Lance, it's uh, it, it's a rare Sunday nowadays, the last several weeks. It's a rare Sunday to actually be encouraged and hopeful following a Steelers game. The Steelers managed to snatch victory out of the jaws of defeat against the uh, – Probably not all that great themselves, Denver Broncos. A, a tough fought game for both sides. It was kind of a momentum swinging game for both sides. And the Steelers are able to pull one out probably more due to uh, home field advantage and a better start to the game than what Denver had. So I'm doing well with that. Yeah, they all count. And I'm glad the Steelers, although we both predicted them to lose. And I know my reputation is such that I'm sort of uh... – I can't, I can't, Slep Rock. I think it's Slep Rock was the character that had bad luck with everything. So I think it's sort of, you know, in my history of doing podcasts, I think Steeler Nation is firmly comfortable when I pick the Steelers to lose because typically the, the Steelers win when I pick them to lose and we both predicted them to lose. But I'm glad the Steelers did not make me seem as an idiot as I went, went ahead and was a little premature in putting up the show information because I kind of just said, you know, sort of in the third quarter, I put it up that the Steelers would go old school and beat the Broncos. And that's the title of the game. And I think that's kind of the theme of, of this game. And we'll ask you those questions before I, uh, you know, tease my sponsors here. And I want to give a shout out to Kali Baba, Great Dads versus Everybody, Shop Supreme Queen, Assist the Score, UK Steelers Podcast, Steelers Landing, and the Steelers Chat. I want to give a big shout out to all those people that support the program. And, Neil, as we talk about this offensive game, give me your thoughts on this game plan. Let me give you a couple of numbers from this game that I think kind of stood out to me. Uh, and, and let me get your thoughts on those. Um, in the running game, and we're just going to count even the carries of Juju Smith-Schuster and Ben Roethlisberger, the Steelers ran the ball 35 times. And I think that goes to sort of the title of this show, that the Steelers go old school to beat the Broncos. What's your thought on the Steelers running the ball 35 times in this game? I think if you were to take out the runs by Benny Snell and Kalen Balaz, you were looking at one of the better running games we've seen we've seen from the Steelers in uh, a couple of years. It, it was uh, it was efficient. It was well blocked. It was well executed. Harris ran very well, and Harris also proved why it is that there's a lot of value in having. A, a reasonable second running back. Um, it, it's hot in Pittsburgh today, very sunny, very humid. Um, I think Schlereth described it as a sneaky hot, which I'd say is fair for a day like this. It's the right combination of kind of that fall humidity with a lot of sunshine. And a, a, a workload like Harris had today is going to drain you down after a while, and it did in the second half, and it almost cost them the game. So they ran the ball very well. They were without – uh, the, the primary driver of that running game for much of the second half, and it, it almost cost them. But they they played um, – they, they, I thought they did excellent up front, plain and simple. That that was a game that uh, they desperately needed uh, for the sake of their own confidence as well as any hope for anything this season. The offensive line needed to come out and be able to run smash mouth, you know, power and gap football today, which is what they did. So I, I'm very happy with it for where they are. Um it would have been nice to see them maybe you know ice the game a little bit better uh, than what they ended up having to do. But it, it was a great all-around performance from them, I think. And I think they do ice the game 
if Najee Harris doesn't cramp up late in that ball game. Heavy workload for him. Ran the ball 23 times for 122 yards for a 5.3 yards per carry clip with a long of 20 and a touchdown. And I think you're right. That That's the bell cow back that they want. I think this is what the Steelers envisioned when they drafted Najee Harris as a way to kind of shift the offensive philosophy, normally of being overly loaded on Ben Roethlisberger, given Ben Roethlisberger's age, given Ben Roethlisberger still coming back from arm surgery from last year, and given the fact that they're inconsistent in pass protection, I think this is the formula. Another number that stood out to me in this game is Ben Roethlisberger's stat line. Only 25 attempts and only 15 completions. But in those 15 completions, he got 253 yards, two touchdowns. And this is the first time, I think, in the last maybe 10 games that Ben Roethlisberger has had a quarterback rating of over 100. He was 120.9 on the day. But I think, though, the biggest thing when you look at his stat line from today was the 25 attempts. Do you think this is going to signify a shift of this offense away from being so Ben Roethlisberger centered to more of what we saw today, more of old school Steelers style, more running the football, more time of possession, and having your quarterback as a complimentary piece, not as the main focus. What we saw today is exactly what Pittsburgh has wanted to do all this season. They just got the opportunity to do it today because they were actually you know, successful in running the ball. They have the ability to base their offense around the talent that they have and that, that they brought guys in to do exactly what they did today. They have not wanted Ben to throw the ball as much as they did. It just didn't work. Especially, You've seen how bad this team has been, especially in the first quarter of, well, basically every game they've played with the exception of this one. They put all of that together today, and that kept the, the throws down for Ben, who I thought probably had his worst throwing game this season uh, today. He should have been made to pay a couple times. He had some really bad throws, um, dangerous throws that Denver should have capitalized. And I think that's going to be the primary story among Denver media today and tomorrow is going to be how many chances they gave Pittsburgh to take control of the game to the point where Bridgewater had to bring him back from two scores down at the end. Things caught up to probably where it should have ended, in my opinion. We both kind of thought the game was going to be a, a score similar to, to what we saw. But the reality is Harris was able uh, to control the game. They were able to control the game up front, maintain possession, and, and limit the amount of opportunities that a, a probably better all-around Denver offense was going to have. That's exactly what they were able to do today. The reason they won is because they could run the ball, and they didn't have to put Ben out there in, in as many third and long situations as he's faced in the past. If he continued to throw, he was going to turn the ball over. I was amazed he didn't turn the ball over once. Yeah, he, he should have at least throws. three times. At least three times he should have in this game. Um, if, if they're not able to run the way that they did in this game, I, I don't think they're going to win much. And I, I think this is really the, the path that they wanted to go uh, in the offseason. This is the first time they've been able to do that for four quarters. I think another number in this game that stood out for the Steelers was their third down efficiency. I think, again – because that running game was working so well, this was the first time this year that they were able to be, I'm sure, over a 50% clip on third down conversions. But 7 of 12 for 58.3% on the game in terms of third down conversions, you know, that was excellent. I don't know if they'll hit that clip again, but you look at that and you look at the fact that they were also gaining 
9.4 yards per pass play. I think that's very positive. And I think the biggest number as a result, and we talked about this on the Thursday show, about how some of these numbers coincide with each other and how they really paint a picture of the Steeler offense. I think the thing that the other number that they love in this game is 33 minutes of possession. And so they had the ball 33 minutes to Denver's 26-58. That sort of that kind of shifted in the second half as Najee Harris had his issues with injuries. But I think this is the formula. And I think even if they don't run it successfully, I think they still have to stay committed in the in the running game in games to where the the balance of running pass does not get tilted in 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 terms of the passing game was there any other number in this game that stood out to you i mean one other number that stood out to me was chase claypool getting shifted into the slot and being effective inside there getting targeted six times five receptions for 130 yards on the offensive side of the ball, is there any numbers that stand out to you? Any additional numbers? That was Claypool was going to be mine. I, I almost cut you off to say, let, let's say that. I, I think moving him inside, which was necessity more than anything else, what we saw is that that might be his best position moving forward. I think they have not been able to utilize his athleticism the way that they would have liked to. And frankly, Claypool, when, when he's on the outside, he goes in one-on-one -on -one situations. He goes up for a ball. He looks like a 10-year-old trying to catch a ball with, with a, a glove in the outfield. He sticks his hand up and hopes the ball falls there. He doesn't track the ball well down the field. Johnson is much better at that than Claypool is. Claypool on the inside, though, when he gets that body turned around between him and the defender in, in a short post, even in a deeper post, we saw examples of both of that today. He's nasty. He's tough to bring down in the open field. He runs like a deer. I keep putting him there. And the reason I say that is my number is five for six. That's five receptions on six targets for Claypool. That's by far and away the best that he's had so far the season. And he had 130 yards out of it. Uh, granted, one was on a, a 60 yard uh, catch and run, but that's exactly the point. Let, let's not worry so much about air yards with him. Let's get him the ball short. Let's get him the ball in space. Have him beat those guys to the inside. I, th I think they have more value uh, with him in that role than they do playing a traditional X receiver on the outside. That's just, you know, my my excited take after one game. But five out of six for a guy that's averaging in this game, 26 yards a catch is, is pretty nice. You you know, that, that that's efficiency. And that was a huge part of why they were able to to uh, to, to pull this game out. They, they got big plays from a big time receiver who, frankly, had not played like a big time receiver up to this point. I think your point is is well taken, because ironically, I believe that Simmons knocked Juju out of the game. And then the play after, you get the play with Claypool when he breaks the tackle from Simmons to just show the difference in the physicality of the two players. And to your point of how getting Claypool on corners in space when he's running, he's not an inviting target to tackle. I mean, he's bigger, he's more physical, and he broke Simmons' tackle and was able to turn that upfield and get a lot of extra yardage out of that. I want to point out straight eight ace, did anybody hear Von Miller? Didn't even hear from Von Miller, honestly. And I'd be remiss, and I'm glad that Straight 8 brought that up because when you look at the game book as well and you take a look at Denver's, you know, in terms of their pass rushing stats, Denver was very quiet. They only had two quarterback hits and one sack. Some of that had to be due to the fact that the Steelers did not throw the ball, uh, or excuse me, the Broncos did not have a lot of throws in the game, but still kudos to the offensive line for keeping Ben largely clean in this game. What was your thoughts on the offensive line's performance today? 
I can't believe you guys didn't see Von Miller. He was the targeted receiver on Claypool's big play. Yes, he, he was. jogged after him down the field. I thought that was great. It, it was top to bottom to me. Um, it, an excellent performance in, in terms of protection overall. I, I think um, you, you had probably more gaffes early on than you would have liked. Ben got hit a few more times than, than what you'd you know, it'd be comfortable with seeing. And I think you're going to see another injury on, on the report for Ben come, uh, come Wednesday, whenever they release that, but you got a much better performance overall. And that's a good defensive team. Uh, Denver, Denver is, they're well coached. They have athletes on that side of the ball. Pittsburgh got the better of them early on. And I think with that, they're able to show that this is a unit that can improve game to game. And that, that's what we counted on. Lance, we said this the whole offseason. They're going to need snaps. They're going to need reps in order to improve. They're not going to be good right away. Over time, they're going to get better. And then from there, we'll, we'll see what they're made of. This was a team that I, I thought in the beginning was going to get crushed early, and they're going to be playing some pretty good football by the end of the year. This game, I think, is is a good example of what their their highest end is going to be. I don't know how how many game I don't know how many teams that performance is going to beat, but they're they're still uh, capable of playing with a lot of different teams in the NFL and Denver, Denver probably got away with more in the second half than you would have liked, but Pittsburgh controlled the vast majority of this game and Denver, while they're not a great team, they're probably pretty evenly matched with where Pittsburgh is. It's a solid win. It's one that you would hope that they would get. And it's one that for me, I'd give the game ball of the offensive line along with Najee Harris, because I think all of them contributed to something that the team has failed miserably at doing to this point in the season. I think Steeler Nation wants the answer for, of this question, Neil, and and, and I want to get your thoughts on it. I, I think, and, and the question is, how sustainable is this? How sustainable is this as an offensive approach for the Pittsburgh Steelers moving forward? And, and, and I'll take a crack at answering that, and then I'll toss it to Neil. I'm not sure it's sustainable, but I'm sure it's the best route and approach for them, given their offensive line and their quarterback. I think it's a much better philosophy and a way to attack it offensively, given the fact that you're going to have a quarterback who's 38 years old, 18th year, 18th, 19th year. I always get the years wrong because it's just a lot of years, I should just say. And I don't know if he can physically sustain it with an offensive line that pass protects as inconsistently as it does. So I think your best offensive philosophy and your best approach, and I thought Matt Canada was outstanding and staying committed particularly the first down runs, this is the approach. This is the game plan. This is the formula. And I think you have to live and die with it. Of course, you're going to make adjustments in game if it doesn't work. But I think this is the philosophy, I think, in which they have to move forward. When it gets tilted with Ben for 45, 40 more throws, I don't think that's a sustainable way of winning. I'm not sure if this is even sustainable, but I think this approach is better in terms of moving forward, and it gives them a much better opportunity to win where they play and they cater this toward their defense. They play field position, time of possession. And by the way, let's just give a shout-out to the punter with that incredible kick. I mean, I thought he just destroyed the football when he made that outstanding punt late in that game. But what's your thoughts on this offensive approach? Is it sustainable? Is this something that they can hang their hat on moving forward for the rest of the season? Harris left the game in, in crunch time with leg cramps. I mean, who knows? They might not even get that next week. Could you imagine now if, if Harris was out next week? Yeah. I mean, that, that's really that's, a, that's miserable. They're not going to do a thing uh, if, if he's not in there. He was a huge part of their offense today. 
they were expecting him to be a huge part of their team throughout the season. So I, I think we will see games like this again. Is it going to be every week? No, no. I, I said seven and 10 for this very reason. You're going to get some good performances from Najee Harris. You are going to get 14 for 48 performances from Najee Harris. They are still going to, to be growing throughout the year. They're going to be improving. It's not sustainable in the sense that they'll get this kind of performance uh, weekly. Because frankly, Ben throws several of those passes 10 times. They're getting picked six or seven times. They didn't today, which was fortunate for them. But one turnover drastically changed the, the outcome of that game, in my opinion. One time they could have Denver could have flipped the field. I think they win it. So you have to get better play out of your quarterback if you're going to continue to run the ball well. And if you're going to run the ball well, you need to get better performance out of your quarterback. It, it, I think this is an aberration type of game. Now, are they capable – of putting both of those things together throughout a game, not turning the ball over, not making a whole lot of mistakes. They are. And I, I think they're playing some tough teams, but they're also playing some not so good teams. So I, I think we will see this again. We'll see, you know, perhaps even better games from Harris. I think we'll see better games from Ben. Um, the protection more than anything, I have to keep harping on this. That's the linchpin of everything. If they're not protecting well, they're not going to do a thing. If they play a game like they did today, which was strong overall, Chooks a core for to his credit, man, we've bashed the hell out of that guy on this show. To his credit, he stood up and balled today. You have to you have to be happy about that. You have to be excited about that. He shows he's capable of stopping a, a, a world beater like Von Miller. To, to the degree that he did that, I have to sit back and watch it again. But as it's been mentioned a couple times in the comments already, we didn't hear his name a whole lot, except when he was in pass coverage on Chase Claypool for some reason. Everyone freaks out at Mike Tomlin for putting linebackers on, on guys. He had Von Miller covering Chase Claypool. That's not gonna that's not gonna end well for you most of the time. Let me give you let me give you Von Miller's stat sheet. No tackles, excuse me, two tackles, two assisted tackles. That's it. No sacks, no tackles for loss, no quarterback hurries, no interceptions, pass defense, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, nothing. Von so Miller zip, basically. He had zip. He got shut out. He got Marcus Gilbert. He got yeah. That's I was just, I was just gonna say that. To him. <laughs> yeah, he, that, that's how Marcus. AFC Gilbert. divisional game. That's how bad that, of a beatdown that was. I was gonna say Von Miller hasn't wrecked the Steelers the way that he's wrecked teams in his career. He's an absolute first ballot Hall of Fame guy. Steelers have gotten the better of him a couple times. You have, you have to kind of like that. And if it's a guy like Gilbert, if it's a guy like Akorafor, is sticking it to him. You have to think to some degree there is some uh, uh, schematic benefit that you can get from that for, for everybody. Um, I just retweeted something a little bit ago that, that Trey Turner had said, he's really happy for, for uh, a core for in the game he put out. I'm, I'm willing to bet that's because he knows that a core for has been getting beaten down by the media and punks like us for the, the duration of the season. And you, you, you can build on this, you know, to use the cliche, you can build on a win like this. It's important for them from a morale perspective to be able to do that. But Looking at sustainability from now to the end of the year, I don't like their chances of being able to do it. But this is how they're going to to approach games. If they can start off the way that they did, and they can probably you know make a play or two more on on defense, they really didn't do that at all today, with the exception of the very end, and that was after Pierre got beat three times. Um, you you might be able to string together wins like this. It's going to be tough, but they they can do that. Yeah, I apologize. I might have asked the question you know, incorrectly, probably instead of sustained, it, I think the better question is, is this the philosophy? Did they gain an offensive philosophy 
moving forward. And, and I think they did. I agree with you. I don't know if it's sustainable because, you know, it's based on a running back. Running backs get nicked up and things happen. And I, I think we are still seeing, seeing, like you said, inconsistent quarterback play. But before we shift to the defensive side of football, big up to Grayson Brown. Don't kill, don't kill the latest Bond movie for me because I have to go see it. I'm a Bond enthusiast. I didn't even realize it was out yet. And all of a sudden, everyone's talking about it. And Grayson said, this win has me feeling the same after watching No Time to Die. Entertained, yet empty, and kind of drained. Now, Only now thing- you're spoiling it for everybody. Why, why, why are you Yeah, I did you do this? that. Didn't I? Well, <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't give any scenes. You are right, Neil, for pointing that out. He spoiled it for me. Then I spoiled it for you. I have to share the pain. And right. by the way, so I'm not that's a, a five-minute timeout for Grayson. And I'm not a punk, Can we Neil. Do that? I'm, just a, I'm just a contrarian. From the north side. That's it. I'm just I'm just a contrarian. I'm not I'm not a punk. I'm just a contrarian. I'm I'm just saying we ripped the guy. I, I'll be the first person to call myself out. I, I called Chase Claypool out in the middle of the game for that reason. I'm the first one to say, hey, you know what? I said it. I said it. I have full justification for Claypool in particular. I had full justification at that point as a guy that that he's not playing like a big time receiver. He's not even playing like a big receiver, which he is. He's playing like the the softest weakest player uh, off his feet that as anybody in the NFL and he shouldn't be. And then he's able to, to take a short throw and, and go the distance with it. That's great. You want to see him being able to make plays, but then he went up, he elevated in the middle of the field, a great route uh, again, running that post between two safeties and he stepped up and made a play. What did I call him? I called him. Um, he's not a combat catch guy. He's a basic training catch guy, which at that <laughs> point it's fair. Okay. It really was. He's not aggressively making plays on balls in the air. And he did. At the end of the game, he made the, the deciding touchdown. It was a great play. Good for him. I'll call him out for that all, all day before that, though. He was not playing well this season. Nobody let, could say that he was. Let me give you a couple of other numbers on the offensive side of the ball that were pretty good before we shift to the defense. The Steelers were 2 of 2 in the red zone. And in terms of, I'm looking at the number here correctly, goal-to-goal efficiency, they were 1 of 1. Very critical for them to get their red zone attempts and score touchdowns because they don't get too many. And I think two is about the highest number that they've had in a game is two red down attempts, excuse me, red zone attempts. So it was critical that they got those in there. Let me give you a number that stands out on the defensive side of football as we shift to the defense is two of 12. The defense held Denver to two of 12 on third down for 16.7%. I thought that was critical because the Steelers have been really struggling on third down defense. And I, and I think with an offense like this, they need snaps. And part of getting snaps is getting teams off the field. And I think the Steelers are really good in that regard. I think the Steelers were in the bottom third of the league, I think ranked about 25th. So I think they were really good today. And uh, before I get your thoughts overall on a defense, want to give a big shout out, though, to the resiliency of, of James Pierre. Got beat really badly on a go route. The type, just like the one type Boy. of pass you can't Boy. give up in that situation. But, you know, kudos to him for being a great professional, keeping his head and, and, and playing the next snap and having a short memory and making some critical plays down the stretch to prevent um, another deep catch because they went right back at him. So it was it was great for him as a young player and as a rookie to have that mental makeup to be able to still compete and make plays for their defense that really helps secure this victory. What's your thoughts on the defensive performance overall today? I think we have to talk about James Pierre at, at a, a pretty um, critical and significant level for this game. He 
my God, he, he was bad in, in uh, multiple snaps early. But the crazy thing is, and this is what's key about playing defensive back, cornerback uh, in particular in the NFL, you have to have a short memory because he defended the route that Sutton ran on and that he intercepted. He defended that perfectly, absolutely perfectly. It was great to see. It was He's rallying to the ball. He read it turned inside exactly as he's supposed to, took advantage of probably not the best throw from Bridgewater. Maybe it's not an interception if Bridgewater puts it you know, a little bit more where he's supposed to, but Pierre was looking for the ball when he came out of his break. It's exactly what he's supposed to do. Good for him. He's a young player. He needs reps too. He's a guy that for some reason they think is a, a man press corner. I'm not sure that's his highest and best use, but you know, Hell with it. They're they're going to put him out there, and they did even after he got beat. He got beat twice pretty badly, and he gave up a, a not great coverage play uh, earlier in the half as well. So I, I'm excited for him to go out and make a play. He was a guy that I have pretty good hopes for this season. He's not really living up to that now, but he's going to grow. He's going to improve, and good for him. And, and as a whole, I think the whole defense needed somebody to make a play. Um, we didn't talk about – Vaughn Miller didn't do anything. Another name we haven't mentioned at all is TJ Watt. Why didn't we mention him? Because he didn't do a thing today either. He had to play early on in the game, and it's as if he left after that. Highsmith, I thought, played pretty well uh, overall. You didn't see Watt doing anything, or am I wrong about that? I, I didn't see him doing it. I haven't looked at the stat, the, the box score, but Watt. Let me, give you, let me give you his box score real quick. He had three tackles, uh, one tackle for loss, and two quarterback hits. No sacks on the game. Okay. The yeah. sacks were from Devin Bush and Mondu. Mondu made a <laughs> Mondu made a, a, a sighting. I was laughing at myself on, on the Mondu sack as if he went from the sideline straight to the quarterback and he realized he was in the game. All of a sudden, Henry Mondu's out there making plays. That's when you know it's hot outside and it's the second half. Good for him. Um, he, you know, it, it's 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 the need for everybody along the, the defensive line, in particular in hot games like this, to step up and make plays. And not enough guys did that overall. That, that's really why Denver was able to come back in the game. I've said for however long, Cortland Sutton is one of the more underrated players in the game. That guy's a beast. He's going to get plays. He's going to make plays. He's that good of a receiver. They should not have been letting a guy like him run wild the way that he did. Um, Tim Patrick is that his name, the tight end. I swear to God, never heard of before this week. Right. He that kid can play. He's really good. He's a playmaker. I thought Bridgewater played pretty well in the second half in particular. And that that seems to be kind of a, a growing theme with the Steelers defense this year. They're not closing games out as well as you'd like them to. And it's mostly because they're not getting big plays. I mean, it, we can yeah. call Pierre's interception a big play. It certainly was. I mean, it, it's not that it wasn't, but when I say big play, I mean something more to the middle of the field or on your side of the field that's going to end a game. Put you know, put a dagger in it before they have two shots at the end zone prior to the interception. It's, it's Denver the very rush. easily could have come back and won this game. It's the pass rush, Neil. The pass rush is not getting home consistently as in previous years. Okay, let me ask you this, though. The point that I'm driving at, and this is what's worrying me, multiple soft tissue injuries. Take one guess. Take one guess what Devin Bush went down with today. Groin, Groin injury. Go figure, right? They've had somebody out with a groin injury from week two through five now. The Something's going fairy. on there. They look gassed. Defensively, they were they were out of, of any kind of fuel uh, for pr pretty much the entire fourth quarter. Again, I, I've said this from the start. It was hot. It's humid here today. I get why they, they might struggle with that a little bit. But what happened? Is this a conditioning issue? What's going on? Why is everybody hurt? 
with soft tissue injuries, and why do they look exhausted in the fourth quarter? Defensively, not offensively, defensively. What's going on there? I don't get that. And big up the Blizzard gang gaming. He did predict that Najee Harris would get 100 yards. And Grayson, I, I'm glad you brought up the point about the run defense. And as Neil was talking, I was just doing a little bit of calculations with the run defense. They gave up uh, 18 carries for 106. It looks like a lot, though, because it's 5.9 yards per carry. But if you take away, and, and I knock people when they say this, but I, I think it does have some merit. If you take away the one run by Williams, the 49-yard gain, they held the running backs to a 2.87 yards per carry average if you take out that run run. And I think as we were breaking down this game on Thursday, Denver was a team that really liked to run the football. And so I think the Steelers outside of that one particular play were very effective in neutralizing uh, what Denver wanted to do in terms of running the football. How did you think the Steelers played the run today? Um, they they missed a gap on the big play, something that um, they were able to do. What's that? It happens with them. It's it, it, I hate putting these things on one guy, but when Minka comes crashing down, he misses. There isn't anybody back yeah. behind him. That's by design. They want Minka to play more aggressively, and they also know that there isn't a, a deep safety in a play like that. He read the play perfectly. They had it called out. They had it, you know, they had it keyed up. Everything was there for him. He blew the tackle. Plain and simple. He just, he missed. Um, bad. That you hate to see. They rallied. They made some great plays. They got help of, of a kind of a silly penalty. I didn't know that spiking the ball in the end zone in particular was was a, a flag in and of itself. I don't know why officials can't just call the penalty for what it is and not make up their own stuff. But um, they get bailed out with that. They hold them to a field goal. I, I thought it, against the run, a solid effort. I think it could have been better. It could have been worse. And I would say the same thing about Denver running the ball. Denver prop running the ball probably – they probably won if you're to compare the two in a, a, a head-up match. I think Denver's offense running the ball probably did a little bit better than, than Pittsburgh's defense did. But a solid effort in downs. You, you called out their third down conversion rate earlier. There weren't a whole lot of situations where Denver had a, a, a noticeable advantage um, from any spot on the field, really. So you have, you have to give credit to – Pittsburgh's defense for setting a lot of that up. I think one number that was a little um, alarming in the game, though, uh, and, and speak to this, Denver was three of four on fourth down conversions, and it kind of got into in that one particular drive. I think it was early in the fourth quarter or late in the third where they converted multiple third downs to keep that drive going to score that touchdown. I think that might be a little bit of an aberration. You have any concerns with, Denver being able to convert 75% of their fourth round, fourth down, excuse me, attempts in the game. I think Pittsburgh needs to stop playing Renegade at the stadium when they're at home. It, it's, it's every game now. I mean, they're, they're offenses are designed to move the chains. They're designed to move the ball forward. Fourth down conversions of longer yards, it almost seems like it's more of a, a chance that they're going to get it because in the situations where Denver went for it on fourth down, Pittsburgh is not going to defend the stick as much as they're going to defend the deep middle of the field. You're in a situation where you can't give up points. You'll trade time for first downs, and you want to take the ball away probably right. more than anything. So I'm not worried about it in that sense. Um, I thought they made a great play on the one they went to review. They barely gave it to him. That was a great play. Um, competition's fun to watch, and I, I, I thought – really trying to remember what receiver it was in Denver. It was it was the the kid from Wake Forest who had to play quarterback last year, wasn't it, Hinton? I think so. 
he had the touchdown too. I, I, you gotta love that kid, by the way. What a <laughs> what a legacy to have. He gets pulled off the practice squad as a receiver to play quarterback in in a game, and they told him about it on Saturday. That's just mean in in many many ways. He had a good game. He played well. I thought he just he competed on that play, and you have to be happy for him. Um, I, I don't think it was a failure of the Steelers' defense as much in those situations. I didn't think they converted it with um, with authority, with power, or anything like that. They they completed a ball in space. The guy stretched for the chains. Um, I, I, I'm not overly worried about that. They shut him down. What two of twelve on on third down two? Put all that together. That's probably about where a team is going to be normally. So overall, and, and let's switch back to the offense real real quick. I, I would give the offense probably their best grade overall this year i would give their offense a b plus before we give uh the defensive grade what's your grade overall for the steelers offense offense today i'd give them probably a b minus to a b um i i what i can't get over and this is saying it before I, i get a chance to 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 review the game at all I really didn't think Ben played well at all today. At all, I, I, I thought he really struggled a couple times. Some of those balls were bad. Um, I, I think in review, we're going to see that he had a lot more difficulty today than we thought that he did. Um, he should have had at least three turnovers. Instead, he only had one. And that, I, you know, you don't put that one on him. But I, I don't think passing the ball, they did a particularly good job today. You like what Deontay Johnson did. I don't know why they didn't give him the ball more. Claypool had a great game. Harris had a great game. Um, what about the the presence all of a sudden of Zach Gentry? Where'd he come from? You have to enjoy that a little bit. The kid from nowhere, the former college quarterback. There's that theme again. Um, stepping up, he had a, a, a screen pass to him that he took at 13 yards down the field. I thought that they were using double tight ends with uh, both Ebron and Gentry as well as Farmouth and Gentry, which says a lot about the, the direction of, of that position and what they're going to be looking for later in the year. But Gentry looks like a tight end, and it, it's you see it more and more every game. They're using him more and more every game too. I, I think he's a legitimate player um, that, that can be used in special situations within this offense. So overall, we saw a lot of good things out of him. Um, ben is the one dragging that down. That I'm saying B minus tentatively because of that. Otherwise, I think it's a B plus game for him. So before we give the defensive grade, there's been a lot of comments about Stefan Tuitt in the chat. And there was a Stefan Tuit uh sighting, I should say. Yeah. You know, I don't want to compare him to Yeti or Bigfoot, <laughs> but you know, it's kind of been like uh, you know, when Stefan Tuit is seen, whoa, we saw Stefan Tuit. There he is, he's on the practice field. Steelers defensive end in his natural habitat. <laughs> the football field running on the field, <laughs> running on the field. But 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 be Neil Neil Stradamus for me. What does this defense look like before you give your grade on the defense? What does this defense look like if you get a healthy Stefan to it? Is this a defense that is hearkening back to the defense that we saw last year that becomes a you know a top 10 uh, defense in the National Football League if they get a Stefan to it back that's right playing Stefan to it type football? That's the key thing. A right Stefan to it. If he is where we can expect him to be as a player without anything else, if he is at that level, they're nasty up front. They're going to be a very, very tough defensive team. They can overcome a bit more of the absence of, of Alu Alu, which they're still struggling to kind of replace. I don't think Bugs is playing particularly well overall. Um, 
You put two it in there, though. You can move Hayward around a lot more situationally without having to pay for it in other places the way that they have. That's usually what happens in, in the big runs that they've allowed. They're running away from Hayward, and Hayward can't make the play in the backfield. So you're getting a, a legit top five defensive player of the year level uh, play out of Cam Hayward right now. If you were to put to it on a side and keep him there, and you're you're going to have a real tough time uh, moving a whole lot of, of uh, Pittsburgh's defensive line. I don't know where we sit right now, Lance, if that's going to happen this season. It's really weird that he's not doing much of anything and hasn't. He's not going to be right for a while, I, I wouldn't think. You know, it, it, We can speculate all day on what's going on. If people within the media do know, they're, they're not going to tell you because they're probably not allowed. Um, something is going on there. We'll see where he is when he comes back. It'll be a little bit, though. So it's very interesting. So give me your game grade for the defense before I give mine. Defense, I'm going to go probably another B- minus there. Um, James Pierre made a great play. I'm glad he redeemed himself, but he had a bad game. That wasn't good from him. Um, guys who stood out. You also lost Bush again in the fourth, third quarter, yeah. fourth quarter, somewhere in there. If Bush continues to play, I think they stick it to him. They're probably at an A- minus level if Bush continues the whole game, but – Drives at the end. Um, they didn't make plays overall. They just didn't make plays at all today. So um, B minus, I think, is fair considering they had a great first half. The second half wasn't all that great. Couldn't get them off the field. I'm going to give them a B. I'm going to give them a B. Solid effort. I think you're right. If Bush continues to play, um, I, I think that game is very different. I am encouraged with the fact that uh, he's making plays in terms of being able to blitz the quarterback. I thought he moved a little bit better. But again, like we talked about in previous shows this season, that he, he's not going to be right. And him having other soft tissue injuries, I think it's everything combined. Like he's just getting back to playing football. And so I, I still don't think his body is fully conditioned to play football because he hasn't played a lot of football in the last two years. And so I think overall his body is still getting acclimated to competing at a high level. But overall, I think on both sides of the ball. So I'll give them a B. You're giving them a B minus. I gave them a B on both sides of the ball. Um, overall, it's a solid performance. It's a win. And the interesting thing is, you know, the season is a continuum. I don't know if anybody said that. I'm trying to be uh, I'm trying to be philosophical and be deep by using continuum when I'm talking about football. So <laughs> the season is a continuum. Like a deep word. You know, I said continuum. I tried to say it with a deep voice. And, <laughs> and, and, and what I'm trying to say is just merely when you go into next week's game against Seattle, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, or I don't know, where's the game at? Is it, it's is in it Pittsburgh. In C- this is a big Pittsburgh. Sunday night game in Pittsburgh. So you got a Sunday night game in Pittsburgh, and it's looking like Russell Wilson is not going to be he's playing. Really out. He, yeah, he's out for like at least a month. And so that's killing me in fantasy is in my fantasy team is getting shellac because Tom Brady continues to turn back the clock and absolutely rip teams apart. 51 points going up against that for a touchdown. It's ridiculous. But you go into next week where, you know, that's why it's hard to predict these things. If you just look on the schedule and if they're going up against Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, it doesn't look like it's maybe a winnable game, but, now you're going up against a Seattle team that does not have Russell Wilson. This might be an opportunity to stack a couple of wins, start feeling a little bit better about yourself, 
as you get closer to the bye. Because correct me if I'm wrong, they play the Browns before the bye? Yeah, uh, Browns are after the bye, right? I, I, Lance, you know, this is definitely something we should know. Yeah, this is something I should know, but I take pride in not knowing this. Yeah. I mean, I Lance. take pride because I'm staying I can't focused. I believe you week. don't know. I'm staying focused week to week. You know, to buy after on. the Seahawks game and they play at Cleveland on Halloween. So this is great. This is great. You've got a Seattle game without Russell Wilson at home. You don't have to travel all the way to Seattle. This is a nice, you know, you win that game next week. It's a nice game to start feeling better about yourself. You go into a tough divisional game after the bye. You can get healthy, uh, and, and that's much needed for Ben. Um, and, and then you start feeling better about yourself. If they can win this game against Seattle, you know, do you feel differently about this team? Do, are you starting to get some warm and fuzzies? No. Um, I, <laughs> well, here's the thing. It, it's not. It's not that I'm not warm and fuzzy. It's that I don't treat a season as if it's all that dynamic. I said, and you heard me, this is a team that's going to have two three-game losing streaks and a four-game winning streak. What I mean by that isn't so much literal, but they're going to go up and down. They're learning to play together. They're building themselves out. We saw a good step forward today. And considering Wilson isn't playing and Seattle really isn't all that good of a team, especially not without Wilson, they they could win back-to-back games. And they still have Detroit and Chicago on their schedule. I think those come back to back too at some point. They play Minnesota this year at one point. They they have a, a, a tough schedule within their division. They play some not good teams as well. I think they can streak on either side, wins or losses here, and put a few of these types of runs together. I don't. I think they got better today as a team. I don't think the ceiling raised as much as the floor did. I think we'll see better performances from them because they're capable of it and they got a lot of confidence today. And they they should have. They, they absolutely should, especially in the offensive line. They're capable of winning games in the NFL. I just I don't think they're going to be able to do that consistently all that often. I don't think they're going to win five in a row, six in a row, which they have some kind of streak about that. I think they, they, they've they've won, they've had like a five game winning streak each of the last ten years or something like that. I don't think they're going to be able to do that this year. I, but they I, are you know, they are a, a, a reasonable team. Seven and ten, I don't think is an embarrassing team. That's just me. Uh, people in Pittsburgh tend to not think that way, but they also want the Penguins to win every Stanley Cup that will ever be played for the rest of time. I love Double H. Oh, Lord, let the playoff-worthy high expectation narratives yeah, come rolling Yeah, that, that's exactly what I mean. Like, no, no, just they're, they're still two and three, and they've earned every one of those losses for sure and probably should have four losses right now. But the, the reality is they're going to need time to continue to build. This is one game against a team that – Denver's three wins came against like the three worst teams in the NFL. Didn't they play the Jets, the the Lions, and the in the Bears or something like that. Jacksonville, That's, Jacksonville. Excuse me, <laughs> add them to the mix. That's a pretty nice three game slate to start the season. And then they play Baltimore and Pittsburgh back to back, and they get beat. So they're not a good football team either. I, I don't, you know, I'm not worried about the the style points of the win. A win is a win, but. I'm not talking playoffs with this team right now. They, they've played one game in the division and they lost it pretty handily, and I, probably against the third best team in the division. So I, they're they're not they're going to lose a lot more games. You know, let, let's be honest about that. And big up to Grayson Brown. Grayson's hilarious. Neil is the realist. Up and down is the truth. That's why I was entertained today. 
but I felt empty because they easily could have lost. Easily could have lost. Imagine if they picked Ben off three times. They wouldn't be in the position they were in. They would have lost by two scores. That's how close it was. And I I, I think what Neil is saying, and and, and I hate that we agree all the time, but I think it's fine. I mean, I I, I never subscribe to shows have to be where the hosts always disagree. I think you can have good debate even when you agree. And I think what Neil is speaking to is there's a lot of variable. There, there's there's a lot of uh, 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 volatility with this football team, and I think that volatility starts with the quarterback position. As Neil just said, if Ben gets picked off three times, they lose the game. I think the volatility is with Ben. E- even if you had a Ben playing more steady, like Teddy Bridgewater, I think they'd be in a much better place. Yes, where. Exactly. You're not putting the ball in harm's way. You're taking get you're taking what's there, and your execution is more consistent. Ben is scattershot at times, and you really don't know what you're going to get from Ben, series to series. I mean, he takes a hit. He's, you know, he's looking like Y A Tittle one time. Then he's hitting a guy. Then he's making a great throw. And it was interesting that they talked about Ben's lower body mechanics. Cause when I was watching this game, watching this game, you know, I'm no pro or anything, but it did not look in sync. He, he looked really weird. He looked like a guy that was throwing a ball from a weird base. Did, did he look and, like a guy who doesn't have any mechanics to speak of a guy that that's just been throwing naturally his entire career. Yeah. yeah. He looked like that in 2006 too. Ben has never had good passing mechanics. Anybody who knows anything about throwing a ball knows Ben. Ben's never been into that kind of thing. At the same time, that that's the style of play that Ben has. Sometimes right. it's like it's like golfing in high winds. You don't shoot. You don't swing a golf club for a, a in, in a perfect manner when you're playing among elements. Ben has always been like that. He adapts his game to what's going on around him. He reacts to that. He leans on his athleticism. He's always made that about himself. He does not look like a Manning at all when he throws the ball. No. And it's never really been an issue. You know, he's just not a, a, a model thrower. And that's fine. That's not all that big of a deal. People make way more out of it than, than they should. But to jump on his mechanics now is just yeah. lazy. Yeah. It's like, come yeah. on. This yeah. has been an issue You're his right. entire career. There's no way that this has been a problem before. It's not mechanics. It's age. He's old. He's beaten up. He's not going to throw the ball well. Okay. Did you notice? I mean, he almost all but wanted to put his elbow in ice after throwing that ball to Deontay. And that was in the first quarter. He's not going to last a whole lot longer. He's putting everything out there to to, to play one more time. Blah, 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 blah. We all know the heroism of Ben Roethlisberger. The reality is he's not going to be able to continue to do that. And there's nothing really that he can change. They're just going to ride it until it dies. You know, that that's that happens. And I love that double H volatility. Definitely describes my short game lately. Let me jump into a pet peeve before we get out of here. Uh, here's my pet peeve. Uh, you know, now because I don't have the ticket, I have to watch games at a sports bar, which is, you know, watching a game at a sports bar and COVID is, you know, hell, I'm dodging landmines every time I go there and watch Steeler <laughs> football. With that being said, the worst thing about watching a game in a sports bar is when the sports bar has the volume up on one particular game and it just so happens to not be your game. Yeah. So I watched the Steeler game for four quarters with no volume listening to the Saints game. So I'm watching the game. <laughs> oh, Jameis Winston throws a ball. I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is confusing me. 
I've got Saints audio, Steelers game. They're not syncing up. And then because I don't have any volume, I have to hear Steeler fans comments in a sports bar. So those are my two pet peeves, having to listen to Steeler fans in sports bars and listening to the audio of different games. Poor execution on the local sports bar that I went to to watch the game. Do you have any pet peeves before we get out of here, Neil? The, the one that I thought of, just because it came up so often today, it, it, this this pertains mainly to Bengals fans. It's the, the fan bases whose team, early in the season in particular, because they really can't be anything else, is all they're, – they're, they're all sizzle and no steak. And right now, that that's the Cincinnati Bengals. The amount of comments that people put into this game against Green Bay, who frankly is not all that good of a football team this season, it being some type of, of declarative statement for them to announce their contention for the playoffs, it only goes to show you that this is a fan base that is not used to their team going to the playoffs. You don't qualify for the playoffs in a week in week five. You aren't eliminated from the playoffs in week five. There's a long way to go in the season. It is an up and down battle. Not everything is an indictment on your franchise's ability to qualify for the postseason. Certainly not in a, a, a almost half of the teams in your conference are going to make the playoffs. You falling to three and two after a loss to a, a pretty three and two like Packers team is not in any way saying that you can or cannot advance the playoffs. It's playing the game and, and you know, winning the game and getting ready to play it again the next week. I know that because the amount of jaw jacking the Bengals players did after beating a pretty undermanned Steelers team um, in, in week, sorry, what was it, week three? Week three. To do that and then go all but lay an egg against Jacksonville at home on Thursday night. For your fan base to continue to ride a roller coaster of up and down emotions, like you have no idea. You have no idea how any of this works. And you can just tell your team's going to implode at some point. How many field goals did they miss today? Their kicker even thought the field goal was good when it wasn't. That's a team that doesn't know how to win. (laughs) That kind of stuff just bugs me because it goes down to the fan base as well. And they all think that it's togetherness. Now we get to talk about this. So we're going to say all the stuff that Steelers fans have said to us for years. Like, you're nowhere near that level. Okay, I don't care if you won two in a row against Pittsburgh. It's literally the first time you've done that in 20 years. You're nowhere. And your behavior just proves exactly my point. Well, Neil, before we get out of here, you have anything that you want listeners to look out for on the wire network? I have no idea. Hopefully nothing that's going to get me sued though. (laughs) You have to understand that the, the total chaos of this time of the day of Sunday for me, you're talking about an article being published once every three minutes on 34 sites. There's a lot to go over. Yes. I have yes. no idea. Yes. So, Steeler fans, there's a lot going on on the Wire Network, and I'm sure it'll Amen. be up there. And uh, actually, I was reading the Wire Network this week. I rarely read any Steeler news. I just kind of look at the injury report and look at a few things. But uh, the Wire Network has had some good stuff. Steelers Wires have had some good stuff. So make sure you support it and go to SteelerWire.com. But before we get out of here, I want to hope, all of you guys, a fantastic week. Be safe during your work week and uh, enjoy the rest of this NFL Sunday. Great to go into the week with a Steeler victory. Hope springs eternal. The Steelers get to two and three with a well 
uh, a deserved win, solid comeback win. Um, and I think we see that, you know, regardless of how Ben plays, you know, Ben's going to be the guy moving forward for the rest of the season. But with that, we're going to conclude the program. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Go Steelers.